Welcome to the Woman Up Podcast. My name is Natasha Digi, and I'm your host. Today, we have Samantha Chris, author, TEDx speaker, and author. And I'm so excited for her to be here with uh, us exchanging. She was on my event in 2019 already, and I never, uh, that was my first event, actually. I never thought that she would have showed up, but um, <laughs> it was so great. So <laughs> I'm happy that she's back on the podcast, and uh, welcome, Samantha. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I remember that event. That was in a beautiful restaurant. The room was incredible. The people you brought together were incredible. I don't even know how we met. But I remember hearing about the event and thinking, of course, I need to be there. So I'm so happy our paths aligned. Yes, definitely. Well, actually, it started, I, I joined your group, the Bus and Up group. I was on, in that group. And oh, I nice. don't know, I don't. I know we linked up out, well, on Facebook. But um, I think it started here. We, we, we linked up from here. But uh, yeah, it's That's great. That's because <laughs> we're both women who know what we want and go for it. And we're like, we need to be in each other's circle. <laughs> Exactly. So just to start, Samantha, please introduce yourself for people who do not know you. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So TEDx speaker, as you mentioned, uh, best-selling author. I'm writing my second book right now. Yeah. I'm so excited. This second book is on the topic of reinvention. And that is something I have been deeply ingrained in for the last, I would say, year to year and a half. And it's kind of consumed my heart and my thoughts and my mind. And it's what I'm bringing to the stage. It's what I'm bringing to conversations like this. And um, I'm kind of seeing it unfold in real time. I don't know where it's going to lead, to be honest, but it's opening some really cool doors. That's amazing. When did you start speaking on stage? So the TEDx talk was my first ever talk as an adult. No way. Way. Yeah, I did some public speaking as a kid grade three, I was in actually, no, that must have been grade five. I did a public speaking competition when I lived in Brockville, Ontario. <laughs> but this was like the first real talk that catapulted my speaking career. Wow. What made you do? Uh, what made you do uh, th- that that gig? I mean, what what happened or what led you to to that moment? Because it's TEDx is a, it's a huge stage. It's a huge platform. And for you who haven't done it yet yeah what what led you to 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 that stage so I think there's a common misconception that TEDx and the TEDx stage in particular is reserved for seasoned speakers and I think it stops a lot of speakers or aspiring speakers or even just people with great ideas to apply and the platform is actually not for speakers it's for people who have ideas worth sharing That's their slogan. And so you either need to have a new idea or a fresh perspective on an existing idea. And so as big of a platform as it is, it was actually the most attainable because I didn't need to be a public speaker in order to apply. I needed to have a good idea. And it just so happened that the application period for the show that I did was right around the time that I was publishing my book. And so it worked out where I had this idea that I wanted to share. I had just written about it. So I knew how to articulate it. I had a lot of practice writing about it. And and it was just kind of tweaking the format to bring it to spoken form and thought that I would shoot my shot. And to my surprise, <laughs> got it. That's amazing. So basically, you have to sell your idea of the, of your speech. 
Right. So TEDx is an independently run organization from the main TED platform. So each TEDx chapter is run a little bit differently. So that means each of the application processes are a little bit different. But for me, what I had to do was write a short synopsis of under 200 words and record kind of a, a brief summary of the idea I wanted to bring to the stage in two minutes or less to show that I can bring a complex topic in a concise manner. And then that was brought to a board of judges that ultimately needed to agree that my idea was one they wanted to bring to their event. And I was interviewed as kind of a final stage. And that was it. That's amazing. That's inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the Woman Up podcast is about um, helping women to uh, take, their pl- uh, take their place and find their voice and be unapologetic th- uh, themselves. And one question I wanted to ask you is how can women overcome self-doubt and imposter syndrome to confidently take their, their place? Oh my God, Natasha, can I be really honest with you right now? Yes. <laughs> I am feeling imposter syndrome so much at the moment. <laughs> it's and common. I wish I could tell you like, hey, do this and you'll beat it for good. Um. I, I need that advice myself right now. But what I can say is working for me to get through it at this in this season of my life because I felt it before and it has felt a little bit different in each stage. Right now I'm feeling it from a fitness perspective. So I've embarked on this big fitness journey. I'm competing in a bodybuilding competition in October. And I'm looking at other people thinking like, oh my God, I don't look like them. There's no possible way I can look like them. And I'm going to the gym with my posing heels and I look, I feel like I look (laughs) ridiculous. Okay. And I'm like, please, nobody look at me. And I look so intense. I have my weight belt. I have my ankle straps and and I'm a very average looking person. Right. And so you see me like looking so intense about fitness, but like my physique is very normal. (laughs) So people like, that's cute. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, she's really trying, you know? And And I don't have like a magic pill or a bullet to kind of say like, hey, this is how you beat imposter syndrome. But what is working for me is showing up anyway. It's not about not being afraid. It's about, and this sounds so cliche, but feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Because at least for me, what works is, and I have a very, very logical kind of brain. And what I need is data. I need a data point to suggest that I will do it. I will be okay. And I will get stronger as a result. And so the more I keep showing up, the more data I have to suggest that the less afraid I become, the more consistent I am. And that's working in this season of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say that, I mean, that would be the same for every step or every level that you're, that you're going after, would you say it's the same, uh, the same steps or the same uh, approach that you would, that you would tackle it? I think it's always been part of it, but depending on the challenge or the opportunity in front of me, some things have been more helpful or more what I needed at that time. And so when I think about professionally, I've definitely been in situations where I have felt like a small fish in a big pond and how am I going to find my voice and, and carve my place out in this workplace and really build a a future career for myself here. Yes, the small consistent actions help, but what helped most there was a a really strong mentor. And so I was very fortunate to have a boss that believed in me in the moments where I did not 
necessarily believe in myself, mm. who is a really great cheerleader and committed to, <clears throat> excuse me, and was committed to presenting me with opportunities to prove myself. And if it wasn't for her help in kind of paving that path for me, I'm not sure I would have advanced as confidently or as quickly as I did without her. Right. So yes, I think the the consistent actions are helpful in like building that database. But um, I think there are other tools I have in my tool belt, depending on when I have felt that imposter syndrome creep up, there has been, you know, different, different things that have served me really well. Cool. Um, how can women find and cultivate, cultivate their strength when it comes to uh, anything, but mainly uh, taking their place and be more assertive? Ooh, that's juicy. I, I always say that to people. I, I, ask, I ask juicy questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, one of the things that I believe really strongly in that has worked well for me is intentionally doing things I know I'm not going to be good at. And that has been a constant challenge for me because I don't like being bad at things. So it really doesn't come easily to me to do things that I know I'm going to suck at at first. But what it does mm. is one of two things. I either get better at it and I show myself that I can improve and that strength starts to develop over time. Or I become more comfortable with the idea that I don't have to be great at all things, but because I know how to do it now, I understand kind of the inner workings of whatever it is I'm trying to improve. I know who to hire. I know how to delegate it. I know how to support someone else or I make space for someone else whose strength that is to really shine. And then I can be that cheerleader in the same way, you know, my boss or my mentor was that cheerleader for me. And so it kind of works out either way, but in order to cultivate that strength, I have had to become very comfortable with not mastering everything I attempt. Which I can't even, even saying those words, I'm like, I don't want to say this out loud. <laughs> right. That's the truth. <laughs> Listen, um, what, like, I know now you have a mentor. Do you have more than one mentor? I, I do. I have one in like almost every area of my life. <laughs> Listen, I think I need to upgrade. I, I need, I need to, I need more. I think <laughs> I have a good one, but sometimes maybe, yeah. maybe I have a, like maybe one for every, each area of your life. It's, I don't know. How does that work for you? <laughs> it's been helpful. I have to say it's, um, I'm in a, a very creative space right now. And so I don't think it's sustainable to have the type of mentorship and to do the type of, like to invest in myself, not only financially, but time-wise as much as I am right now. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's what I need because there are a few directions that are calling me and I don't really know which door to walk through and I'm enjoying discovering myself in the process. And so I feel that it's needed now. Um, of course, you can find mentors that are not necessarily a, like a paid relationship, you know, people who are in your circle, um, LinkedIn is a great platform to find people. Also, I've started this app called, I, I haven't started it, it's not my app, but I joined an app called UpNotch. And it's basically like a matchmaking service for mentees and mentors. And anyone who joins understands that it is free of charge. And so the mentors that you find through that platform are not going to charge you and they're offering their services and their time for free, which has been really cool. But um, I find 
personally, the coaches that I've invested in from a physical standpoint, creative standpoint, and then just overall kind of uh, business or mindset has been super, super helpful for me. And I find them overlapping in ways I hadn't considered. I also have a speaker coach. So as I'm working on developing my presence as a public speaker, I'm also working with a coach there. And I'm so surprised when I pick up on things that my fitness coach is training me to do and how that is complementary to what my singing coach is trying to get me to do. And then all of a sudden my speaking coach is like, you know, Sam, you should work on this. And I'm like, are you all conspiring (laughs) against me? And where I'm seeing the overlap is, is my blind spots, you know, and it's interesting when you start to see that you have a professional blind spot. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I'll, I'll kind of bookmark that for later. Or you, you have that awareness now that you didn't have before, but with other coaches in other areas of your life, I feel anyway, it's expediting my learning because I'm starting to see, oh, that's a blind spot that's cascading into my creative abilities or into my business life in ways that I didn't recognize at first. That's interesting, but at least they're all aligned. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm finding similarities and commonalities for sure, but of course they are they're very different types of coaching. And so they're not aligned on all things. And then physically what I'm doing with my coaching actually conflicts with my vocal cords. So I Mm. cannot sing as well because my neck is super tight. So they're not all aligned on all things, but it's been fun to challenge myself in different ways. uh, Because once I anyway start to see momentum in one area and I start to see improvement in one area, it gives me motivation to improve across the board or to try things across the board. So this is where I'm seeing it really starts to cascade into every area of my life. I like that. What kind of a, what inspiring success stories that of women who have broken barriers and made that and made a significant impact in their fields that impacted you and inspired you to, um, to do so. I say women, but it could be men, but so any success story that you have, in your pocket that you carry with you? The one that comes to mind first is um, Arlene Dickinson. So Mm. for anyone watching, I've got a bookshelf behind me and I've got every one of the books that she's ever written on my bookshelf. And she was a single mom in a very unhealthy relationship. She managed to leave that situation later in her life and in her career after sleeping on her father's couch and having nowhere to go and no money. And she was, if I'm not mistaken, in her 40s when she made the conscious decision to create a better life for her and her children. And our lives are very different. That is not my story. You know, was not in a toxic relationship, did not have to couch surf at my parents' house and reinvent myself in my 40s yet. I mean, I'm not in my 40s yet, so who knows? That might happen. But what I was really inspired by was the fact that she was able to kind of dissociate herself from her life, take a step back, look at it and realize that it was not what she wanted. It's not what she wanted for herself. It's not what she wanted for her kids. And that she was also capable of much more. And she didn't come from an educated background. And so she really had like an uphill battle and knew that it wasn't going to be easy and did it anyway. And she became, she started her own, uh, venture 500 company, if I'm not mistaken. She's now a dragon wow. on Dragon's Den and is inspiring women and people, you know, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs across the world. And 
Not only was her strength inspiring for me, but because I had looked up to her for so long, it was so important to me that I wanted to give her one of my books when I wrote my first one. And so she came to Montreal and I waited and I waited and I waited in line. And I was able to give her a copy of mine after having all of the books that she's ever written and had a chance to thank her personally. And I asked her, what is your definition of success? And this is what has stuck with me the most. I mean, her story is incredible, but this particular moment, she said success to her means when the depths of your desires matches the height of your dreams. When those two things can merge, then she's successful. And I just thought that resonated so profoundly that because there are things that I, I want so deeply, I can feel it in my core and I'm a big, big dreamer. And when those two worlds collide, oh man, there's no greater feeling. And so uh, she's someone who I've looked up to a lot, long story short. <laughs> I like that. I never, I I know a bit of Arlene Dickinson, but I never knew her backstory and all that. You know, you see those dragon and you're like, oh, they, they, are, they have all that experience, but never thought about, I didn't never, th- I never write, uh, read about her backstory. So that's very uh, inspiring. Yeah, and she's, uh, she's a good inspiring. example of grit. Absolutely. <laughs> so now I was gonna ask you. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm big on I'm big on networking. I, this is something I I I love to do. I love meet, meeting a, new people, exchanging with anybody. Um, for me, it's like a I'm like a little fish in not a little fish. I'm, I'm like a, a fish in, the, in in its tank. But um, I was going to ask you, and because you did build a strong group, uh, an online uh, group, the Boston Up group, it's how can we leverage, how can women leverage the power of networking and collaboration to amplify their voice and even create meaningful change? Mm. The first step for me was being willing to ask for help. And that was a tough one. I'm very independent. I like doing things on my own. And I also liked being the one who figured things out and then got to bring solutions or tools to people. And so I felt very vulnerable and insufficient sometimes when I didn't have those answers. And that kept me unnecessarily stuck. And the sooner I was able to just kind of like, again, feel the discomfort and do it anyway, the sooner I realized there are a lot of women willing to help, but they don't know how unless you voice your concerns or your challenges or what you need help with. And that so that was kind of the first step is being able to ask for help and then consciously nurturing those relationships is really, really important because I will never... I will say, hey, I'm struggling with this, but I will never ask for help. I will never ask of something from someone without knowing how I first can add value to them. And so in building a relationship and actually nurturing that relationship and understanding what are their goals, what are they working towards, where are they struggling, you may not personally hold the key or hold have the answers or the solution, but you might know someone in your network. You may have just listened to a podcast. You may have just read an article that could be really helpful for them. And so 
there have been, you know, certainly occasions where someone has offered help and I don't yet know how I can provide value to them, but I will always seek to lead with value. And that has helped me a great deal because I've become someone who people want to help, who they look out for, who they trust will have their back if ever they need it. And when they're in a room that they'll not only think of me, I'll be top of mind, but I'll be tip of tongue as well. When an opportunity comes up, they'll be like, you know what? Sam offered to introduce me to this person or she sent me this really great podcast or whatever. And this seems like something that'd be really helpful for her. Let me message her, make the connection, whatever it is. And that has become so ingrained in my work and how I connect with people. The group itself, the Bossing Up group was a little bit different because it was not um, necessarily all my personal contacts who were there. And so one of the things I will say if starting a group in particular is of interest to anyone listening, what I found most helpful in scaling that group and in helping people want to provide value to the members was reward the members. So I tried promoting the group on Facebook in terms of ads. So like paying to have the group promoted to the right type of profiles. And the people who were coming in, they were coming in inconsistently and they were like, they would come in and they wouldn't really engage. And what I found most helpful, most valuable for the members was saying, you know what, instead of putting money towards Facebook ads, let me put the money directly into the businesses and the projects of the people who are in this community. And it was minimal, Mm. but it was like for a $50 gift card to whatever it was, Amazon or whatever, um, whoever invites the most people into this group who fit this profile, right? Like creative, uh, supportive, whatever my criteria was at the time, whoever invites the most people are in is in to win this $50 gift card. And sure enough, excellent people came in, people came in with great ideas, people came in ready to support. And so creating an environment that the expectation is you come in to share your expertise and to cheerlead and to bridge gaps and kind of connect dots was really, really helpful. And then I didn't have to carry that networking weight alone because I had a whole family of people who were like in that same boat with me. That's amazing. That means I can I can be more active on you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I haven't even been super active in that group. I'm I'm in such a an evolution right now that um I think that I need to rethink what that space is for, but absolutely it's still active and the people in there are still incredible. So use it. Thank you. Here, um I was gonna ask you how we're going to talk about failure and setbacks and how can we, cause we're, I'm, I'm not sure if you're like me, but uh, I'm super hard on myself. I sometimes I crumble obviously. Cause sometimes I fit. It's the idea of what, of the situation that makes me super uh, tense and stressed out. But how can you, what's your, um, how can women embrace failure and setback as opportunities for growth and resilience? This might seem a little bit like a cop-out answer, but it is the most authentic one I can give. And it's the premise of the TED Talk and the premise of the book. I will make decisions based on the goal-setting methodology that I kind of conceived or uh, brought to the stage and to my audience, which is the real goal method. And real is an acronym for resonance, empowering, actionable, and lucrative. So when you embark on a journey, whether it's a goal, um, a promotion, you know, an idea, a project, 
something you want to start if it resonates, meaning it aligns with your core values, if it empowers you, so it makes you feel excited. And when you go to bed, you're thinking about it. When you wake up, you're thinking about it and you feel excited to pursue it. It inspires action. So that for me is what actionable has become. In the earliest iterations of this model, actionable was kind of borrowed from the smart goal method, which was like take small bite-sized chunks or bite-sized steps. Whereas now I feel most important, some of those steps are going to be huge and some of them will be microscopic. But as long as you are inspired to take action and you take that first step, the next step will reveal itself. So actionable and finally lucrative, what's in it for you? And this is something that I think women in particular often overlook because we do things for our families, for our communities, for our teams Mm. and call it selfish, but I will always think before starting anything new or trying something or investing in something, what's in it for me? Because if my, and this again sounds so cliche, but if my cup runs empty, there is nothing to pour from. Thank you. Yes. And so I got to make sure I'm okay first. And I trust that when I'm okay, I am going to give back. When I succeed, we all succeed. I know that for a fact. So if I check those boxes, and to me, it is a real goal, right? It is, that's the acronym. It is aligned. There is no failure. It may not go the way you want. You may flop. You might not at all end up where you thought you would. But if it resonates it empowers, it inspires action, and it is lucrative, you have not failed. Guaranteed. Mm. Is that helpful? Say that again? Is that helpful? (laughs) It is helpful. I'm actually can't wait to re-listen just for that acronym real. It's real. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm take that that I'm, I'm gonna have to apply it because the lucrative part, for sure, I agree that we don't go as aggressively as women as, as we should because mm-hmm. there's more uh, there's more and more women that's that are who are trying to build a sexual successful life whatever that means but who are becoming entrepreneurs so and often that part is put aside right. <laughs> or neglected right. um unfortunately it's we're we're going to have to wrap up but Here's my question to you, Samantha, and that's the question I'm, I ask my guests all the time. What is it that you want to be remembered for? What's your legacy? I've been putting a lot of thought into this lately, actually. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're connected. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no better way to to put this right now and I feel like I need to refine the answer because it almost seems too simple to matter but what is most important to me right now is to operate from a place of kindness Mm. and I think there is no shortage of self-serving people and organizations and people who will either deliberately or inadvertently tear down your spirits and your confidence and your opportunities. And I was speaking with a friend the other day and he just, it was such a simple conversation, but it it blew my mind wide open. And he said, if I have the skills or the expertise or the knowledge that someone needs on their path to success, I refuse to be even a pebble on their path that gets in the way of them and their dreams. 
And it just summarized so perfectly what I feel like I'm here to do is I'm I'm not only here to help them. I don't only want to help them on their path, but I want to remove the friction. I want to be an active participant in getting shit out of the way so that you can be your most fulfilled self. Because I really think that when we operate from a place of fulfillment and from kindness, we inspire that in others. And the more we can be kind, the more we will propel kindness and the, the world just needs more, more joy. <laughs> For sure. And I think that was, that's been, uh, that was put in the test. Sorry to bring it back, but I think uh, COVID has tested our, our patience. Yes. <laughs> in a major but, uh, way. Yes. Anyways, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. That that part was hard for me, but I don't know what 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 it looked like to you on, on your end, but um, I'm grateful for that path. I, I think... Guess. You know, there are a lot of people who were tested during that time, but those who chose kindness in that period of uncertainty and fear, I think are the ones who are sleeping easy today and who are the ones who have the best opportunities to recreate at this point. Preach. Preach. Thank you so much, uh, Samantha. It was an an honor to have you on the show and I'm so happy and I'm I'm hoping that that I can get you back on the show. (laughs) Yes, this was fun. Anytime. (laughs) Thank you so much. Ladies, this is a wrap. You've been listening to the Woman Up podcast. If you need coaching for your public speaking, you, you can reach me. Until then, woman up.